Hello and welcome to the Eat, Train, Recover podcast. I'm your host, fitness professional Justin Jefferson. This podcast covers all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness and is dedicated to helping everyday individuals live the fittest and healthiest life possible. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eat, Train, Recover show. I am your host, Justin Jefferson. Thank you so much for joining me. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast. This is our very first guest uh, episode here. We have the amazing registered dietitian. Her name is Melissa Kalari, and she has a whole host of credentials that I'm not even going to try to say because I get a little <laughs> tongue-tied. Uh, but first and foremost, Melissa, how are you doing? How's your family? How are you guys doing through through COVID? I know at the time of this recording, we're still uh, going through the pandemic. Um, good. I'm. We're good. You know what? It's been a this past year was a very interesting one, but we made the best of it, and we're all healthy and well. So nothing but gratitude for that. Um, and you know, we start another year in the same position we were last year, but it's okay. Um, making the most of it. It's crazy, right? How it's like, you know, here we are 10 months later from the time of the first initial shutdown. And it's like we're almost back in the same place. But hopefully, hopefully good things are, are ahead and, and things will start to to uh, open up and, and, and get a little bit better for everyone. Uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming on. It's it's an honor to have you here. Um, been looking forward to this. It's been a long time coming. Um, so before we jump into the today's episode, um, as we're going to be discussing all, all things gut health, breaking down and going really, really in depth. Uh, she is an absolute expert and specialist in gut health. Um, so I can't wait to dive into that with you. Um, before we jump in, how did you actually end up becoming a, a registered dietitian? How did you get your, get into your career? Um, well, let's see. It's been about a 20-year journey. <laughs> um, I've been a dietitian for about 20 years, and I guess what kind of led me into that was twofold. One, my I, my father, as, as growing up, my father was in, very heavy, and I saw him struggling with type 2 diabetes um, and saw the impact it had on him, him physically. Um, and two, um, I was always very heavy growing up um, to the point where... In my late teens, I guess in like in high school, I lost about ooh, 60 plus pounds. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in a high stress household and food was always the choice of soothing. So I learned that early on and in turn had put on a lot of weight very early on in life. And with that was never comfortable in my own skin and therefore not very comfortable with those around me. So I was always kind of very withdrawn when I was younger. And um, so I, you know, wanted to learn how to lose weight. I think being young, I tried everything the wrong way down to extreme calorie deficit to yo-yo dieting to I almost binge eating, um, and you know what? And I lost the weight, but I never felt great with it. Um, always following the next fad. Um, but the one thing that kind of helped was I always that the, the being comfortable in my skin, I knew made a huge difference. So I decided from that point to learn how to do it the appropriate way, because it made such a huge difference for me and my interactions with others. And I kind of wanted to be able to teach other people how to do the same, but how to do it appropriately. And safely and effectively. 
Oh, nice. So that, that I guess that that's what led to you uh, deciding to major major uh, with that. Excuse me, majoring that in college. Uh, where'd you go to school? So I uh, went to Queens College and then did all my clinical rotations and my um, my internship through um, through Stony Brook and then took my state exams um, later in life. So I had my first and only child almost, at almost forty. And um, with that, and on my second marriage, I had a couple of years of super, super, super high stress, um, including having a child with uh, special needs. So I noticed the impact that the super, super high stress had on my body, and in turn went into a hypothyroid, hi- wound up with hypothyroidism, um, and learned very quickly that the conventional way of looking at calories, I think you and I were speaking about this earlier, calories in, calories out, you know, calorie deficit and kind of looking at conventional ways of losing weight or even just looking at nutrition really didn't serve me. And it actually didn't serve my son either. And that's kind of what led me down this whole gut path, no pun intended. <laughs> but um, <laughs> And that was the thyroid. Yeah, uh, the thyroid. And then, so my son is also high functioning autism. So he's, he has, um, ADHD, which is considered on the spectrum, and he went through a tremendous <clears throat> amount of stress himself. So um, that turned me to look into integrative and functional nutrition. So I wound up with an additional board certification in that, um, which really gave me a totally, totally different perspective on everything that I had learned much earlier in my career. And that was more looking at the root cause of pretty much all disease. Um, if you look at Hippocrates 2,500 years ago, he said, you know, all disease starts in the gut and, um, I, you know, I, it, it's so true. Um, and until, I guess, until you start living it, it's hard to believe that, but it, it truly is. Everything is kind of linked to gut health. So, um, I, to help myself to manage the hypothyroidism effectively, um, and to help my son too, I kind of delved into the integrative and functional nutrition and really learned a lot more about gut health and how to kind of repair and restore a normal balance so that things are functioning and your body's functioning much more in a homeostatic place. Yeah, because I really feel like, excuse me, <clears throat> I feel like our gut health really gets overlooked and, and something that gets under, you know, under discussed, like we don't really discuss that enough. We don't, we don't look at that enough. Um, and obviously we, we have a big focus on energy balance, calories in, calories out. And obviously all of those things matter, but gut health, as you stated, is a really big part of our overall health and well-being. Um, and it can regulate a lot of things, you know, in the body. Um, so when we're looking at the gut in its entirety, what's like, how would you explain to the everyday person what the gut is like you know with even like breaking it down to the physical components like how would you explain the definition of the gut to to the everyday person so i i guess so the gut essentially kind of starts with your mouth and ends with your with your rear end i guess (laughs) um and 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 the gut basically it's it's a physiological it's a neurological chemical endocrine it it houses your 70 percent of your immune system and it, it, they all kind of 
work together to maintain all of the normal functions of the body. I think when most people think of the gut, they think of like the obvious things like your mouth, it's used to masticate food and break it down. It goes to your esophagus, right? We're talking about the organs, you, you know, in the stomach, you're breaking it down. You've got hydrochloric acid and other digestive enzymes that are there to kind of help sterilize and further break food down. Um, that you, small intestines where a majority of nutrients are absorbed. Um, your large intestines, um, where it passes into, and then eventually your colon and then your rectum and kind of out the body. So I think people think about food in a very simplistic way or digestion in a very simplistic way, which is you eat it, you digest it, you absorb it, and then whatever your body doesn't use is eliminated. Um, but it goes so far beyond that. Um, so yeah, obviously digestion and absorption, you also have, it also pro provides something called exclusion, which is basically a barrier. And it's a barrier within your entire gastrointestinal tract um, that does just what it says. It's a barrier for substances that don't necessarily belong in your body that you've ingested, so they don't get absorbed into your into your body. Um, your body help your gut helps with detoxifying, and it works in conjunction with the liver um, to metabolize and eliminate toxins in the body. Um, such as things like pesticides and preservatives and dyes and flavor enhancers, all the stuff and all of the uh, processed food that we typically eat in the standard American diet. Um, there's actually about 4 million chemicals present in our environment that kind of pass, can pass into our systems. Um, you know, and then our, our bodies also are good for work towards elimination or our GI tract does after we've, um, eaten. So we've got kind of our basic functions and we've got our basic organs, but um, there's a whole neurologic biochemical component that's so interesting. And um, our gut is basically considered our second brain. So you kind of have your central nervous system. So your central nervous system is what most people know. Uh, right. Your brain, your brain stem, your spinal cord, everyone kind of knows that. Um, and the thought is that the brain communicates with the gut, right? So kind of like from a top-down standpoint, but really it's kind of a bi-directional communication, meaning that your brain can communicate with your gut, but more so <clears throat> your gut actually communicates with your brain. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So your brain has, or your, I'm sorry, your, your GI tract has something called your enteric nervous system. And if you can think of it almost like a mesh that's embedded in your, in the lining of your, of your intestines and your GI tract. Um, and this system or this nervous system actually produces more than 30 neurotransmitters. Um, so it equates to more than a hundred to about 500 million neurons in the body, which is actually more neurons in your GI tract than you have anywhere in your entire body cumulatively. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy when you think about that. Right? So, how 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 deep that runs. Yeah. So basically from your from your head to your toes, you have more neurons in your GI tract than anywhere else. Uh, that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty big just pretty pretty big tract there. It's kind of, it's very long. <laughs> um, you know, and and when you look at it, you basically have and this is this is another thing that people don't think about. So you have, um, you have basically two nervous systems that are considered your autonomic nervous system, meaning like an automatic response that your body has. Um, 
exactly what it sounds like. So you basically, you have two branches. You've got your sympathetic and you've got your parasympathetic. And um, again, from your gut to your brain and your brain to your gut, communicating back and forth. Um, your sympathetic, again, is kind of what it sounds like. It's, it's your feelings, your feelings throughout the day. So it's that fight or flight component of the nervous system um, that communicates from your gut to your brain. So now I think when we think about fight or flight, we think more like your heart because your heart starts to race or um, just like a stressful reaction, right? But really a lot of that is stimulated from your gut. Then you have kind of your parasympathetic and your parasympathetic is I guess the opposite. So you would think of- Like the recovery, right? Yeah, Shutting down. Exactly. Yeah. So you look at your sympathetic as kind of your fight or flight and you look at your parasympathetic as more of like your uh, rest and your calm or your rest and your digest. Mm -hmm. And when you're speaking about nutrition and the gut, it's really important to know kind of where you live most of the time, right? So unless we're being chased by, you know, a saber-toothed tiger throughout the day, <laughs> which hopefully is not happening because we're all stuck in our houses right now anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. Unless you live with one. <laughs> um, you know, the, the sympathetic nervous system should not be something that's like engaged all day, every day. You should be living more like in your parasympathetic uh, nervous system. However, the way we live, most people are walking around stressed. Most people are walking around um, just constantly, not in the now, not in the moment, but always thinking about the next thing and in a constant state of stress. And let me ask you, so how does that affect your, your gut health? If you're constantly walking around in that alert, sympathetic, stressed out state, um, how does that affect the, the guts, I guess, function? I should yeah, say. Yeah. How does it totally. the functionality of the gut? So, 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 so let's just think about the digestion of food, just because that's an easy, kind of an easy place to start. So starting with the eyes, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the food, you're aroused. Um, when you're in the sympathetic or over arousal, you inhibit, your body inhibits the release of sal uh, saliva. So if you're eating and you're stressed out, saliva or when food first enters your mouth, you actually start to break carbohydrates down in your mouth. So let's say you now have less saliva to even begin the process, right? Um, your, heartbeat in, your heartbeat increases, your airways restrict, you're, you actually have inhibition of stomach acid and activity in the stomach. So the initial breakdown of food is diminished. Um, there's an addition of your pancreas and your gallbladder. So your pancreas and your gallbladder both release a tremendous amount of um, hormones and enzymes that really start to break down your carbohydrates and your fats and your proteins. You have an inhibition of the activity of the intestines. So once you actually do start to digest and absorb, the, the absorption of it is much slower or less effective than it would be had you been in a, a parasympathetic or a state of calm while you're digesting. Um, you end up having secretion of more epinephrine and norepinephrine instead of that calm, relaxed, um, even down to your bladder for an elimination. Um, all of the normal digestive processes slow down tremendously when you are in this constant state of arousal that most people find themselves these days. I, 
so then you're probably not even so if you're not sleeping properly pretty much like getting enough rest and recovering and really getting into that parasympathetic state enough it sounds like that kind of can really ha- play a part on the function of the gut as well the, the rest yes the rest and the sleep or just even kind of how you show up to your plate you know i always i i I started writing a book. I've, I've communicated with you about this called The Awakened Plate. And it's kind of like, which which plate are you showing yeah. up to? You know, are you showing up to your parasympathetic plate where you're calm and you're in kind of a state of gratitude and you're thinking about good thoughts and your heart rate is down and you're kind of really allowing your body to do what it's supposed to do? Or when you sit down to eat, or are you thinking about the next thing you have to do? Or, you know, stressed out about work or stressed out about what happened earlier in your day. So it's like, which plate do you show up to? Because if you're showing up in your aroused or over aroused plate, then you just, you can't digest and absorb your food appropriately. It's just, it can't happen. Um, so that's, yeah. That is very interesting. Even from, so, you know, a pre-workout meal. Um, you know, if you have a meal too close to your workout, let's say you eat, 30 minutes before you start to work out because working out puts your body back into that sympathetic, you know, back into that sympathetic plate, we'll call it. Um, your body can't digest and absorb all of the nutrients that you had to then be able to convert it to any type of usable energy for you to be able to use for that workout. So it's think about kind of what plate you're living in when you arrive to Mm. either eating or if you're trying to work out and you're trying to have a specific outcome and trying to fuel a workout um, or repair after a workout. So it's really kind of knowing, I guess, which, uh, which pathway you're, he- which pathway you're headed in really has a huge impact on you being able to right. utilize and absorb your nutrients. Like where you're spending mm-hmm. that time. And um, that's, that's interesting. That's honestly something that I've never considered when it, right. When it comes to like digestion and, and nutrition, um, is how my, my, how, 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 like what state I am as far as if I'm parasympathetic or, or, or sympathetic. Um, and as she was saying, like parasympathetic would be like more of that relaxed, calm state. You're not super high stressed. Um, so I didn't realize that it played that much of a role with, with digestion and absorption and, and, you know, utilization, you know, of the, of the food that we eat. So that's, that's definitely very, very, uh, interesting. Um, and now how would you explain, as we're, as we're uh, moving along here, uh, how would you explain okay, microbiome? Yeah. So another, component, to yep. so another component would be your microbiome, right? So your microbiome, now you have a lot of biomes all over your body. It's basically a, a, a culmination of micro or microscopic um, organisms, which could be bacteria, could be virus, could be fungi, could be parasites. Um, and biome meaning, you know, of, of plant or animal, uh, descent. So really it could be anywhere. Um, but it's pertaining to our GI tract. Um, we actually have more bacteria in our body than we do neurons, right? So we just said most of the neurons we have are on in our GI tract, but we actually have more bacteria than we have neurons in our entire body. We have more bacterial DNA in our body than we do have human DNA. So we're like basically 90% bacteria and 10% human. So we're kind of like a uh, 
bacteria having a human experience. <laughs> so there's actually about 100 to 150 more times more DNA from microscopic or organisms in our body than there are us. Um, most of the bacteria, so it's, you know, you have bacteria from your gut all the way to, to you know, to your rear, um, but most of the microbiome is in your colon, um, and that's where the highest microbial density is. Um, and there's about between, let's say, about 300 to 1,000 different species that kind of reside there. Um, most of them coming from bacteria, and, and most of it coming from about 30 or 40 different species. Um, we essentially have about two to five pounds of bacteria in our gut or in our colon. Two to five pounds. Wow. No. So you know that. That's interesting. Uh, so you know that. So in in fitness and in, in exercise and nutrition, we always hold up that um the the muscle versus the fat and what five pounds look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's insane to think about of bacteria. Now that's not all no, bad bacteria. No, no. So when though, you correct? when you think about your biome, you're supposed to have a certain balance, so it becomes kind of a symbiotic relationship where. The bacteria, or you know, the microbiome and and the diversity that's in there, um, kind of lives off of us, and we kind of live off of it. So it's kind of symbi symbiotic, and we're actually born. Actually, before we are even born, they've detected bacteria already into a fetus's um, GI tract. So it's there. It's it comes from the mother, and it kind of just becomes more dense and diversify the older that we get. Um, we typically have some semblance of what our biome is going to look like by the age of three. Um, and it takes time to change. It's always dynamic. And it's, it's, it's based on a lot of things like your epigenetics, your environment, your diet. There are a lot of factors that can, I was going to say feed into, no pun intended, <laughs> but that can feed into the changes that, that occur <laughs> there. Um, it is one of the most important components of our body. Um, they, so let's say the, the bacteria kind of act as anti-inflammatories in our body. So they basically feed on certain types of fiber or, under, or carbohydrates in our diet. Um, they start to ferment them and they convert them into something called short, <clears throat> short chain fatty acids. Um, and they ferment, they produce gases, but they also produce a whole host of other things as well. The short chain fatty acids produce things like acetates, propionates, butyric acids. Those all actually act as anti-inflammatories in the body. Um, the bacteria actually help repair um, the cell lining as well um, and help repair the colon. They produce a tremendous amount of nutrients. They produce um, a lot of B vitamins, so they're responsible for like B1, B2, B5, B6, B12, folic acid, biotin, they all produce those. Um, they produce a tremendous amount of the neurotransmitters in our body. So when we think about our uh, neurology, we always think that our bodies themselves produce you know, dopamine or serotonin, when in reality, a lot of that is actually produced by bacteria. <laughs> wow. So the bacteria plays a, a, a part in producing that Yeah, so that, if you look stuff. at things like uh, GABA, 
GABA is something, this is actually something for like high functioning autistic children and people that have anxiety disorders. Uh, bacteria produce a, a tremendous amount of the, the, the GABA in our, um, in our system, which basically inhibits um, the activity of neurons and helps kind of keep the feelings of anxiety and chronic stress low. So if your biome is off, you have a tendency to have higher anxiety levels. Um, they produce, it produces dopamine. Dopamine is, is one of our happy hormones, right? <laughs> um, we also have serotonin that is produced by, um, by our gut bacteria. Um, it is almost entirely found in the gut. So again, another happy hormone that when you look at psychiatric disorders um, or anxiety disorders, the serotonin levels typically tend to be deplete, um, which in turn means that you're probably have some intestinal dysbiosis going on. Um, and sometimes once you kind of restore the balance of the biome, a lot of people can resume feelings of uh, wholeness and let go of some of the anxiety as well. Um, you've got acetylcholine that's there that has a lot to do with muscle movement and muscle memory um, and even neuroepinephrine, neuroepinephrine, your ability to kind of respond that, that fight or flight or getting into that, um, again, that sympathetic system where your body responds appropriately. So they're all, the, uh, the bacteria are tied so closely to our, every pathway that we have that um, it's, it's hard to kind of differentiate. It's like, you know, the chicken or the egg, which came first type thing. <laughs> um, you even from an immune right. response, 70, this, this always gets me, 70% of your immune system is housed in your gut. So. Wow. <clears throat> That's so think about, think about how much disease between type two diabetes and depressive disorders and obesity and, you know, cancers, um, 70% of it is in your gut. So if you're not taking care of your GI tract and you're not eating the proper way and you're constantly taking in, you know, processed foods and alcohol and sugar and you are just feeding disease and suppressing your immune system. Sheesh. 70% your gut. Yep. So it, it just makes me wonder why we have not had a bigger emphasis on, on gut health. And obviously you <laughs> have, you have, of course, but I just mean, I just mean in general, because that is directly, if that's directly linked to our immune system like that, I mean, that's a, that's it's a huge deal. It's a tremendous deal. You know what? The hard thing is um, science, t science takes a while for the appropriate information to be available to really make definitive um, decisions, you know? Yes, that's true. Um, they have to kind yeah. of research. And, you know, most, ah. of, most of the initial research on the biome um, was done in animals. So now they're catching up with, you know, looking at the impacts of it on, on human beings and, and the, um, the results are, are tremendous. Um, they've even developed different path, different sciences like a neuroendocrinologist that used to be just an endocrinologist who would just look at your hormones and adjust them based on you know the norms now it's a neuroendocrinologist a neuroendocrinologist with the the, the uh communication between 
the microbiome and the neurotransmitters that are produced by them and produced by your body. It's like, it's, everything is so intertwined, but still microscopic at the same time that it's, it's just, it's fascinating. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm really blown away by that, that fact. I'm, I, I'm honestly <laughs> learning so much from, uh, from this, this discussion, from this episode, um, you know, myself and that's, that's that's really eye-opening, honestly. Um, it makes me want to even be more um more alert and pay more attention to my to my own gut health, just just knowing that, especially these days, obviously. Um, you know, everyone's talking immune system oh, yeah. with the with the spread of, of, of COVID and everything that's going on. Uh that's an that that's that's an interesting fact um to to know. So wow. Uh-huh. That is that's good stuff. Absolutely. Um yeah, so it's it's, and that's and that's now. Let me let me ask you this. Now I know you obviously just went into an in depth breakdown of microbiome and of the entire gut. Um, what like what could actually throw things off? Like how do we get our gut out of whack? Or yeah, you know, yeah. like what disrupts the the actual gut health to begin with? So like I, how does that I call even happen? Gut disruptors. <laughs> As do probably many people okay, in right, the, right, uh, into, you know, integrative and functional medicine and nutrition realm, they're kind of called gut disruptors. And, you know, as we discussed before, the number one is stress. Um, you know, I, I had got, I started off, like, as I said, 20 years ago in nutrition. So, you know, so essentially I'm only 32. I must've started when I was like two years old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know? oh, okay. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> You know, so when I first got into nutrition, um, I kind of started to get a little, uh, I don't know, saw the lack in just the nutritional component of it, because if you can't take the stress out, the stress has such a tremendous impact on the neuroendocrinology and the the integrity of the gut that you could have the best diet in the world. um, But if you are stressed and in that sympathetic space constantly, you get the best diet in the world, it's not going to help you. So the first thing that disrupts your gut health is is stress and trying to <clears throat> go from that sympathetic to more of a parasympathetic when you sit down to eat um, for at least an hour. And it's funny because I remember, you know, when I was little, don't put the TV on when you're, you know, when you're watching, when you're eating dinner and don't have all this activity around you. And now, and now I get it. <laughs> um, so it's really bringing down that level of stress is tremendous. Um, So processed food, processed food. Oh my goodness. So I'm a huge, huge fan of organic only not that all organic food is healthy for you, but um, it's probably the most, it's the closest regulated at this moment um, to reducing the amount of antibiotics and hormones and, and, um, and chemicals that are typically found in most foods that are sitting on a shelf. I mean, they, they are not perfect by any means, but it's, it's always, it's, it's looking for the best option. Not that everything is perfect. Um, so the processed foods sitting on, sitting on cans in the shelves and, um, all of the food additives and, um, like I said, hormones and antibiotics, all of that stuff is not normal to our gut lining and really disrupts it. 
um, sugar. You have to think about which bacteria you're feeding. You can have dysbiosis. You mentioned before some are good and some are bad, right? So it's, they can all work for us if they're in the proper balance. But if any of them become out of balance, even the good ones, they start to become gut disruptors. So sugar, high sugar diet feeds the wrong balance of bacteria. So it creates a dys dysbiotic environment, which in turn leads to all sorts of diseases. Processed fats, um, same thing, chemicals, poor nutrient intake, um, antibiotics, you know, going through all this stuff, a lot of people kind of, the second they get a sniffle, go to the doctor and kind of grab an antibiotic. It takes roughly at least 13 months for every course of antibiotic that you take for to get your gut back to its prior state before you took the antibiotic. Wow. So an antibiotic, it, like mm -hmm. taking antibiotics disrupts yep. the gut mm -hmm. for, a, for a year. Yep. Holy cow. Um, chemical toxicities, caffeine, right? Caffeine is a stimulant. The more stimulants you take, the more you're in that sympathetic pathway, the more stress your body feels and the less digestion and absorption occurs. So going back to the antibiotic point, I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm curious. Is it like taking a certain amount of antibiotics? Is it the more you take or um, is, is it a big disruption that's taking place? Or, or is that like, does that like vary from, from person to person? Yeah. Like, I guess, it what, what, you know, how, it, it depends on the state your, your, your gut was in before you even took it. Right. So it's kind of, okay, that it, makes it, sense. it's yeah. very selective based on each individual. So if you were, had a fairly good balance prior to taking it, then you may be able to kind of bounce back a little bit faster. But if you were kind of already, once disease is present, it's, it, it takes a long time for disease to kind of show its head. Like once, let's say diabetes or hypothyroidism, like once you can see it on paper, it's kind of been brewing for years. Um, right. So if you, mm. let's say I had a hypothyroidism, you know, it, and I, I look at this even with my son. So my son, um, I had um, chronic mastitis when he was, when he was a baby and before getting down, going down this path, I had to take antibiotics and I didn't have to now that I know, <laughs> now that I know differently, but I took antibiotics and so did he had chronic air infections and he was a C-section, which also changes like the biome of a child when they're natural birth versus C-section. And it took a long time to wow. restore like a balance for myself so that I can get my thyroid back in order as did it for him. He was hyper, hyperactive, very hyperactive. Um, had a hard time absorbing and digesting nutrients, um, different formulas and, and so on and so forth. Um, but once we kind of started to kind of rebalance things, all of that started to substop, subside. Um, and it was, it was more remarkable because you can see for me on one end, my thyroid started to function more normally. For him, it was, you could physically or visually see behavior change with a more balanced gut. Yep. Ah, that's that's very very interesting. So, and uh, yeah. not yeah, and sorry to, to kind of jump in. I was just curious about that because uh, 
that's that's another interesting fact um, to not realize like that, you know, the antibiotics can really be disrupting the gut that much. I know you said it can take up to 13 months for that to kind of re-regulate um, after taking that. So that's that's very, very interesting. Um, um, yeah. And I don't know if you had any other disrupt if there were any other disruptors uh, that you wanted to list um, as well. But it just seems like it's gut very, can be sensitive. very sensitive it feeds into every other process that your body goes through. So it's 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 the, to me, it's the most important system in the body. Um, but um, so so when I sit down with a patient. Right. So we talk about the things that kind of disrupt. So stress, tremendous processed foods, sugars, processed, like all of those things, caffeine, right. alcohol. Um, so I kind of have like my yeah, what do we do about five it? R's. Right. So first one is remove. Second one is I, I kind of make this one's a kind of like a double R, but it's replace or rehydrate. Um, the other one is re-inoculate. And then we look at repair and rebalancing of your life. So, you know, I find with most people, I am a uh, make things as simple as you can. So if you kind of come up with an acronym or just five steps, someone can do it makes a little bit more, again, digestible. <laughs> no pun intended, but I lift myself all day long. <laughs> I think I annoy myself sometimes. But um... <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm the same way with this stuff. They, they, they hear me on this, um, this show yeah, all so, the time. So remove, so remove the stressors. <laughs> so get rid of things that negatively affect your gut. So it could be um, the environment. It could be food allergens. You can either get food allergy tests or um, I actually, my husband is a physician. So we work with um, patients and we do food sensitivity testing where you can actually look and see what you're actually your body's actually having a reaction to. Um, if not, I have people kind of keep a food log to see, you know, how their body responds. When I eat this, this is what I feel. Um, so you can kind of do an elimination diet or you can go out and, and, and get um, tested. Um, and then removing the things that we know are, are gut disruptors like we spoke about, like stress, processed food, sugar, you know, antibiotics, caffeine, alcohol, things like that. So kind of removing the things that are traumatic to, to your GI tract. Then we do kind of a replace and rehydrate. Hydration is huge. And I think you and I spoke about this the other day on a live in, live Instagram, which was uh, where I chimed in somewhere with the conversation you were having with someone else. Um, and it was the hydration component. So in your gut, you have like villa, they're called microvilla. And they're kind of like these little tiny finger like projections that pop out of your intestines that help increase the surface area and help with uh, absorption of fluids and and nutrients um, and just another point of communication between like your enteric nervous system and your biome and, and, and so forth. Um, if you're not properly hydrated, they can't, they basically like lay flat. <laughs> so you decrease the surface area. And then even if you have a great diet, and you're not properly hydrated, you can't possibly absorb everything that you're taking in. So they kind of like shrivel up a little bit more or less. So you have to be properly hydrated. I tell people 12 to 16 cups, like an eight ounce fluid cup a day throughout the day so that you can kind of keep your GI tract um, hydrated. Um, and then the replace is replacing things that may be lacking. A lot of times people, I'll have people take um, digestive enzymes um, or hydrochloric acid or bile acids, um, things that 
kind of combat some of the uh, processes that have kind of gone awry because of poor diet and stress. Um, then we have kind of re-inoculate. So re-inoculate is basically putting back some of the probiotics or putting back some of the bacteria that are kind of out of balance. And you would do that utilizing probiotics. Um, and then with the re-inoculation, right, because bacteria need something to kind of thrive on. So you would have to have probiotics built into your system. And you can either have a probiotic, well, it should be twofold. You're going to take a probiotic that has a prebiotic kind of built into it. So I, I typically use like moss nutrition products with myself and my clients. Um, and then, then also eating the appropriate food. So that's always the first choice is your diet, a whole food diet. Um, prebiotic foods would be things like apples are really great, fiber, artichokes, asparagus, bananas, beans, broccoli, you've got cabbage and cauliflower, um, different greens like kale or dandelion or collards. You can do like garlics and onions, oats, things like that are all sweet potatoes. Those Shoot. are all great things. You should be having things like that throughout the day. So I would say like at least four servings of those types of foods throughout the day so that your biome is constantly being fed. Um, so the biome can do what it needs to do. Um, and as far as, and then, and then repairing sometimes, like I said, if, if, if you see disease, then your GI tract needs some repairing <laughs> because it's been like that for a while. So taking things mm -hmm. to kind of repair your GI tract would be things like, you know, it, always starting off with a high potency multivitamin, um, because we just spoke before about all of the nutrients that are produced by the, uh, by the bacteria. Um, also taking fish oils, amino acids, like a, like an L-glutamine, aloe is very soothing, marshmallow roots. So there are things you can do to kind of repair and then rebalancing your life. You know, you mentioned something before, which was sleep, which is tremendous. So, you know, beyond going past the stress of the day and trying to get back into that state of calm while you're awake, your, your body does a tremendous amount of repairing and rebalancing when you're sleeping. So I think that's an under, under utilized tool, which is, you know, going, getting the rest that you need so your body can kind of get back into a homeostatic place. Um, and then start in which in turn will help you start to digest and, and utilize your nutrients optimally. Nice. So let me ask you, I know you mentioned uh, before we wrap it up here, um, mm -hmm. the prebiotics and probiotics. Uh, who should be taking that, taking those? Uh, should it be, should we all be taking some type of uh, pre and probiotic um, or like those of us who, who have gut issues? Um, what is your take I on that? I say that most people that present with any type of disease um, would benefit from <laughs> taking a blend of a, like a lactobacillus, um, a spore-based, like a soil spore-based, and like a Saccharomyces type of blend. Um, most of the time, I have patients that present with some type of disease taking it for at least six months. When we start to see resolution of some of the symptoms, it depends again on how long the patient's been in that position for. Um, 
when we start to see some resolution of symptoms, I may back off a little bit um, from the probiotic and see if the symptoms kind of resume. Um, so that's going to be based on however the patient's responding. On a day-to-day -day basis, you, you know, you, you can take up to, I, from what a lot of the literature says, you can take up to about 100 billion CFUs. Um, I keep most people on, on a lower dose consistently. Like I, I, I take a spore base, I take a Saccharomyces and I take a, a, a lactobacillus blend every day, but I keep it on the lower end. When I was having a lot of hypothyroid sy symptoms, I would, you know, or, or other patients doing the same thing, I would have it higher until I felt like things were kind of replenished in their GI tract. So it's, it's all kind of symptom based. Okay, so that sounds like it's more of a, a case by case, um, you know, individual to individual. And that makes sense. I mean, that's how things should typically be, right, for the most part, whether it's fitness, nutrition, uh, being as individualized as possible. Um, so now how could a person tell and measure the health of their gut? Um, you know, whether they have poor gut health, whether they have a healthy gut, um, what's the way a person could, could, could know this or what symptoms should they be looking for? Um, I guess the, the first is probably, um, but you want to catch it before a disease kind of shows, rears its head, right? Because before we said, by the time that happens, you know, you're already in dysbiosis. So you're, you already know that your gut is kind of not functioning optimally. Um, so first thing is, you know, disease, but the second thing is looking for things that are kind of more underlying, like the stomach discomfort, right? Are you having like chronic um, gas and bloating? Are you have, do you feel like your food is delayed in digestion? Just, just the way that your stomach feels after you're eating is generally a good indication. It sh should, you shouldn't really have to pay that much attention to your stomach after you eat. It should be just like a natural, normal progression from eating to elimination. Um, the other thing is how frequently you eliminate. Um, you should ideally be eliminating once or twice a day. So if you are finding that you're not eliminating, you know, you're eliminating every other day or every two or three days, your gut health is completely, you know, is, is definitely not within, within the functioning mode or optimal functioning. Um, eliminate, eliminating would be going to the bathroom. Eliminating, yes. Number two, as I would tell my seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of number two, um, you also have to look at your stool, right? So your stool should be really well-formed to the point where you, when you, you kind of have a clean wipe, um, <laughs> not to be, t you know, whatever, but it should be a clean wipe. You, if, if you're finding that your stool is loose or watery or, uh, you know, you're, you're having to use too much toilet paper, that's generally not a good indication. It should be well-formed. Mm. One, okay. yeah, once or twice a day and a clean wipe. That's like, if, if any of that is off and you've got gas and bloating and, and delayed gastric emptying, you know that something is off. Um, you can look at other things like severe food cravings or always feeling hungry and never satisfied. Now, I'm not talking about a habitual hunger where when, you know, you come home and you're stressed and you kind of go and just grab for food to kind of self-soothe. It is like an actual, your stomach's growling or you just can't get away from the carbohydrates, which probably means you've had a high processed carbohydrate diet and you've been, you've created an imbalance in, in the um, bacteria that kind of feeds off of that, those carbohydrates. So they're kind of signaling your body that they want more. Um, so 
extreme food cravings and, and constantly hungry regardless of what you're eating. Um, an unintentional weight loss or the inability to lose weight when you appear to be in a calorie deficit, right? So, you know, we typically look at, um, if you're with, we typically look at nutrition as calories in versus calories out. And a lot of, a lot of people in the health field will just tell you, just, just do a, just, just have a calorie deficit. You know, if you're eating 1500 calories a day, there's no reason you shouldn't be losing weight. Um, but in reality, as we described, it's so, it, everything is so intertwined, including your neurotransmitters and your hormones and, and such, that you could easily be taking in 1500 calories and your body is just storing as fat, storing it as fat because it's not able to actually utilize it. So on paper, it may look like based on your, your, your body weight that you're at a calorie deficit, but are you actually being able to utilize nutrients and the calories that you're taking in? So if you're in an extreme calorie deficit and your body's, and you're still holding on to weight, chances are your gut is kind of your is off as well as unintentional weight changes. So, or, or unintentional weight loss. If you're doing what you normally all, always normally do, and then all of a sudden you drop 10 pounds, something, you know, I, I would look into it. Um, skin irritations, things like eczema, psoriasis, those are all actually considered like autoimmune type diseases as is like an ulcerative colitis or irritable bowel syndrome, where if you, once you eat, you have to run to the bathroom. Um, severe mood swings are also another really good indication that something's probably off. Um, as we discussed, your neurotransmitters and your mood regulators are produced by the bacteria in your gut, as well as communicating, you know, from your enteric nervous system to your central nervous system and back and forth. So if you have serious mood swings or you're finding that you're very anxious, um, that's a good indication. Migraines are an awesome indication as well um, that something is kind of off because of that whole bi-directional gut brain access communication, especially if it happens after you've eaten something. Um, so there are a lot of, there are a lot of things you can kind of look at. Um, and again, because it is so individual to people, um, it could be for, for one person mean one thing and another, not so much, but, um, right. you know, the, the biggest thing is first pay attention to how you feel after you eat. Most people okay. don't do that. Most people eat and then move on to their next thing or, or they move on to the next thing while they're in the middle of eating. Um, but really pay attention to how your body feels after you've eaten and pay attention to, you know, your number twos. And um, th that, that'll generally be an immediate signal without having to look for all of the underlying other things. And like, again, if you have something present, some type of disease or dysbiosis where whether autoimmune or something like a diabetes or um, that it's off. You, you, there's something that you need to do to, to repair your, your gut health. Wow. Well, thank you for, for that. Cause um, you know, just having an understanding of what to look for is so important. Um, and you've gave you give, you've given us so much information today. And I do, I do just want to say thank you so much for, for being my very first guest here on the Eat, Train, Recover show, uh, the Eat, Train, Recover podcast. I really, really appreciate you, Melissa. You are an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, so thank you. I, I can't thank you enough. I know we've been planning this for a long time. We've finally been able to sit down and do this virtually um, from your home and from my home. Uh, but this has been great. So thank you so much. Well, thank thank you very much. And, and you are equally a wealth of knowledge to me. So it's wonderful to be able to 
create something together. And, um, and I'm looking forward to what we create in the future and hope this was helpful for all of your listeners. Oh, this is going to be great. This was helpful for me, for sure. I learned <laughs> a lot. And uh, I'm sure it was helpful to uh, someone else as well. And uh, before we go, I do want to give um, the listeners an opportunity to be able to reach out to you, connect with you, find you, and even maybe book a consultation as well. Um, what is the best way for them to reach you? Absolutely. So I am in the midst of revamping my um, my website. So the best way to reach me at this point is to contact me via email. And that is going to be the awakened plate at gmail.com. Um, and that's awakened with an ED at the end of it. Um, and that's definitely the best way to contact me. If you send me an email, then I will respond with an email and then we can set up a phone conversation consultation. And then we can kind of get to get to the bottom of what you're trying to address. That is awesome. You can do it all virtual. I know you were talking about that. Yeah. So that is great. So guys, reach out to her. And the, again, the email is theawakenedplate at gmail.com. Theawakenedplate at gmail.com. Reach out to her. Her name is Melissa Calari. She's a registered dietitian, board certified. Can you finish that off? I don't I don't remember the name of this. <laughs> I get tongue-tied too. Integrative and functional nutrition certified practitioner. There we go. That that she is also that, but she's, she's a wonderful person, <laughs> great, prof, great professional. Definitely connect with her. And if you do wish to connect with me, uh, you can reach me at Justin J U S T I N at J A Y F I T L I F E dot com. Justin at jfitlife.com. You can also reach me on Instagram and Twitter, the same handle, which is Mister underscore jfit. That's M R underscore J A Y F I T. Um, and you can also actually connect with me virtually uh, and work out with me virtually on my on-demand fitness streaming platform. It's called Vincity, V-I-N-S-I-T-Y, available for all iOS and Android mobile devices. You can download that right in the App Store, and there is a seven-day free trial going on, um, so definitely give that a shot. And if you scroll over to the Nutrition tab of that platform, you will hear a familiar voice, and she'll become a familiar face of everyone, Melissa, who you met here today. She is a nutritional education tr- contributor to the platform um and like i said she's a wealth of knowledge so definitely definitely connect with us there and if you're enjoying the podcast please feel free to share it with your family members and your friends and please leave us a a review um this just helps more people to find the podcast uh so we can continue to just spread the word so wherever you're listening to the podcast leave us a nice review uh it's greatly greatly appreciated and uh thank you all so much for joining us today um this was our first special guest we do have more lined up for the future But I will talk to you all very soon.